0: I'm so carved up. I had a whole bag. I ate a whole bagel today. A whole bagel. Oh, my God.
1: Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved. The podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library.
0: Welcome to the Oxygen Starved Podcast, where we bring you adventures, books, and conversations, your ABCs from 11,000 feet. I'm Stacy. I'm Christopher. And with us, as always, is producer Doug. Hi, Doug. How's
1: it
2: going? Going great. Nice to see
0: you, as always.
2: How are you doing, Doug? I'm doing well. Awesome.
0: This is our 20th episode.
2: woo Yay!
0: Listeners, thank you. We want to say thank you for your support, your ongoing support. We really appreciate it.
2: We genuinely do.
0: And we hope you will continue to listen to us. And we want to give a special shout-out. We love all of you. But we actually have a listener in Kuwait.
2: I know. Who'd have thought? It's 19 amazing. 19 episodes ago.
0: I know. So if you're listening out there, a listener from Kuwait, thank you. Hit us up on Instagram and.
2: <laughs> Tell us what you're thinking. Absolutely, because Kuwait's not 11,000 feet in the eastern Sierra surrounded by snow. I know, I
0: know. <laughs> well, we hope we hope you all are enjoying listening to the podcast as much as we are putting it together. Yeah, we're something. having a
2: lot of fun, right? Yes. We're still ab- talking to each other after 20 I know, episodes. I know,
0: I and, know, <laughs> and having fun. And
2: Doug is still putting up with us.
0: I, that's, that's unbelievable, <laughs> actually. Barely.
2: <laughs> Barely. <laughs>
0: So Christopher, tell us about your adventure.
2: Yeah. So, you know, hey, it's the first day of spring
0: woohoo,
2: um, er, this week. Yes. And today is actually St. Patrick's, Patrick's day. day. We'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, um, after a long winter in the Eastern Sierra, y- you sometimes get a little cabin fever and sometimes want to go in the opposite direction of the snow. Yeah, And there's a lot to go to around here. So uh, recently we went down to the Alabama Hills, which are, I think, maybe about an Hour and a half's drive south of Mammoth Lakes. Yeah, yeah sure. It's actually down in Inyo County right. near a community called Lone Pine. Lone Pine. Isn't that Western sounding? So
0: Western Lone sounding. Lone Pine. Well, Alabama Hills... Even though Alabama's not Western, it sounds very
2: Western. <laughs> it's got twang to it. Yeah, it does.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the reason we went the Alabama Hills, if for those of you who aren't familiar with them, they're a kind of a unique rock formation that yeah. pop out of the valley they're there. So and beautiful very beautiful. And they create a great backdrop for things. And so for about a hundred years now, they've been used by movies and commercials and TV shows for film backdrops. Right. So a lot of early Hollywood Westerns, Mm -hmm. you know, have been filmed in the Alabama Hills as well as like scenes from Django Unchained, Mm -hmm. Tremors with, you know, Kevin Bacon from, (laughs) I forget what decade that was, but that was a big deal. That
0: was a big deal.
2: Um, And even Gunga Din, for those of you who remember old, you know, Cary Grant. Movies from the swashbuckling days of Hollywood—they um, came up and filmed there. Right. So we actually went down and took a tour, a film tour of the Alabama Hills, put on by the Bureau of Land Management. So there's uh, the Bureau of Land Management, the Eastern Sierra Interpretive Association, mm-hmm. and the Alabama Hills Stewardship Association come together to do these tours where you can come and you can learn about the geology Mm -hmm. or you can come and learn about the natural bits of it, you know, the flora, the fauna, the Mm -hmm. animals or the film history. So we chose the film history. It's a great little tour. They do it like once or twice a month. I encourage listeners to do it. You go out there and, um, we met up with, a uh, BLM Ranger Dave mm-hmm. who is a really great guy and he just has a bunch of movie stills and you walk around for about an hour and he shows you you know this scene from Django Unchained it was filmed right here and here's the rock formation you know so you can kind of get to see how you know cinematography happens mm-hmm. in this area and how movie directors and what have you set up and do shots and car chases and wagon traces chases and there's even a scene in Gunga Den for those of you who haven't seen the movie, where an elephant has to walk across a rope bridge between two rock formations. And they filmed it there with a live elephant in 1939, whenever this was. Oh, and my you, goodness. Yeah. You can still see the stuff in the rocks. The, yeah. They, they didn't
0: have CGI back
2: No, then. they didn't. You did it yeah. all the natural yeah. way, you know. So
0: when you were on this tour, did Ranger Dave, did he have anecdotes about the films uh, that, you know, where you saw the scenes.
2: Yeah, totally. Like you learned about, um, uh, uh, so for instance, one was a car chase and, and there's a movie called bad day at black rock with Spencer Tracy and there's a car chase in it. And he says, you know, see this road, this dirt road, this is where the car went down. See the dirt road next to it, slightly higher up that's where the camera truck was so that you oh, could see cool. how they staged the stunts mm-hmm. and everything. So he, he peppers it with little anecdotes along the way. Yeah. It really makes it relevant. It makes you think about, you know, all the movies you've seen and you want to go mm-hmm. back and watch a bunch of new ones after you've seen it. And then it also is just a new way to kind of appreciate a very natural place. The Alabama Hills right. in 2019 were designated a natural scenic area. Nice. which gives it some protection. And so I, they're doing some, you know, some, re- that's good. some some restoration work on the area. And um, it's, you know, it's free public lands and people mm-hmm. should avail themselves. So encourage folks when you're driving through Lone Pine. Yeah,
0: stop and check it out. Stop
2: and check it out. It's not far off the highway. And um, there's a film museum there. So. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a podcast from there at some point. We can talk about it more in the future, but it's kind of cool. Idea. Yeah.
0: Well, that sounds like a great adventure, great way to spend a Saturday. and
2: A warm way to spend a Saturday. That. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thanks for sharing that. Listeners, take a deep breath and we'll be right back.
2: listeners we're at the book segment of the oxygen starved podcast where we get to talk about one of our favorite things to do reading read yeah exactly it's
0: a irish author for saint patrick's day yeah so we do not have green beer in front of us sadly
2: sadly we're kind of shaking our head dejectedly nor do we have shamrock Shamrock shakes shakes. from mcdonald's in front of us which is probably also a good thing because I'm not sure how our book discussion would be with either of those things. No, I don't
0: think so either.
2: (laughs) And that's not a comment on book discussion groups who often meet over wine, because I know that's the reason many people are even in book discussion groups, but that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) So today, listeners, yeah, we decided to pick an Irish author because it's St. Patrick's Day. And um, one of my favorite Irish authors, Authors uh, is Colum McCann, who has a new book that just came out in February called A Paragon. To rave reviews. Rave reviews, not unsurprising. Mm-hmm. The guy is a great literary author. The book that we chose to read by him came out about a decade ago called Let the Great World Spin. Yeah. And uh, it won the National Book Award in 2009, went on to win uh, the amazingly prestigious Dublin Literary Award a couple years later. And, uh, yeah, why don't we just dive into it? It's a novel.
0: Yes, it's a long novel. Um, and it is uh, set on, on and around uh, August 7th, 1974.
2: So take your memories back to yes. 1974.
0: So if any of you were around back then, especially if you were around back then, you were living in New York City, you might remember that that is the day that Philippe Pettit walked a tightrope between the top floors of the two towers in the World Trade Center buildings.
2: He did, right? And yes. you can actually see a YouTube on it. If you Google it, you'll see that.
0: Maybe we'll put a link in our show notes to sure. um, to that video. So the, the book takes place at this time, and this was not a good time for New York City. It was kind of in its middle of its... <laughs> Devolution, if you will.
2: The seventies weren't kind to New no, York City. No,
0: they weren't. And so the the book is a is a series of stories involving loosely involved characters, mm-hmm. and um, it's set, of course, during the backdrop of the Vietnam War. And the characters all have have seen or heard about or have some relationship to the type the walk that Philippe Pettit does and right. um, there are two brothers that kind of kick off the story and they have immigrated from or one of them has immigrated to New York from Ireland mm-hmm. and the other comes over to see his brother mm-hmm. and then the story unfolds from there and we meet kind of meet all the other characters in the story from, from there. And it's, it's a pretty sweeping, even though it takes place over a short period of time, mm-hmm. it's a rather sweeping story.
2: It is. And, you know, um, as that kind of uh, classic immigrant story, especially Irish or Irish American immigrant yeah. story, where the story often starts in Ireland and the next stop is Ellis Island or JFK right. or somewhere in New York, mm-hmm. Boston area. you kind of, I wasn't sure where it was going to, Take me right. as a reader, and I yeah. was kind of surprised where it took me. Mm-hmm. So the first character that really kind of owns the perspective in the first part right. of the book is this young man named Kieran, mm-hmm. who's going right. over to visit his brother Corrigan. Corrigan right, like right. His two Irish names.
0: Whose real name is John Corrigan. <laughs> is their last name, <laughs> their but last everyone name. calls him Corrigan. Sure. Yeah.
2: And Corrigan has come over earlier, and he's got a kind of religious calling, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, wants to be like a monk. I think. Yeah.
0: He's, he's celibate. He doesn't, we don't ever see him actually going to church. Um, but he's, he's celibate. He wants to do good works. Mm-hmm. He wants to take care of people. He's mm-hmm. got a very altruistic side to him. He lives in the, Apartment in a seedy area. He leaves his door unlocked so the prostitutes can come in and out and Mm -hmm. use the restroom and sleep and do whatever they need to do. And he just lets them, brings them coffee every day. And
2: he's kind of like part of his calling, right? right. He lives in the projects in the South Bronx. There's, you know, women and. and prostitutes and pimps yep. working underneath the major Deegan Expressway, which is a major highway through the mm-hmm. city um, in the early 70s. And then he also has a day job, helps out at an adult home.
0: Right, for elderly people, and he drives them in a van to various places, and each of the the elderly people that he takes care of has a little personality, and mm-hmm. we get to see just a tiny... A tiny bit of, of that in his relationship with these individuals.
2: So his brother Kieran doesn't know this really until right. he arrives. Right. And he's like, Oh my gosh, this is where my brother lives, this is what he does. Mm-hmm. They're strangers walking into his apartment day and night. Right. You know, it's really, you know, an he can't, eye-opener.
0: Yeah, and he can't quite <clears throat> wrap his mind around what he thinks about this, like if he wants to take Corrigan back to Ireland with him and, but he always comes back to this notion that his brother had a different path.
2: Yeah. And he, Kieran, we should say, gets a job in an Irish bar in New York City, which is also a familiar path for many Irish immigrants. Even today, there are Irish enclaves around the Bronx and Queens and Brooklyn and Manhattan and an Irish pub just about every other block where you can walk in and hear an authentic Irish accent. So it's a very real mm-hmm. kind of setup.
0: So the story itself, as it unfolds and we meet more of these characters, it's very nonlinear And so, even as you jump from chapter to chapter, each chapter starts with a different. It's from a different perspective, and it sometimes it takes you a little bit to figure out who (laughs) exactly are you know we reading. Which voice is this? Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's it is it's very interesting how he develops the story Mm -hmm. and the different characters how they interact with each other, that one of the themes that I pulled out of this is this idea of class distinction Mm -hmm. and New York being such a cosmopolitan city, Mm -hmm. you know, I imagine you see that all the time. I and one I should make a comment that if you have ever lived in New York and you read this book, it will resonate I think, with you, right? I yeah. mean, you're a former New Yorker. Yeah,
2: absolutely. It does resonate. And it's still something you see a degree of today. Mm-hmm. It just looks different. And it's not the 70s, so it's a little bit cleaner. Right. Um, but, you know, he, he, the uh, Colin McCann brings you into the voices and perspectives right. of... The prostitutes, Mm -hmm. right? So you really kind of get to see a little bit of where they're coming Mm -hmm. from and their history and the difficulty that they've had. And one of the prostitutes, Tilly, is a central character. Mm -hmm. And you hear her whole backstory of how kind of her immigrant story of how she ended up where she is. Right. Um, and that kind of drives some of the narrative, mm-hmm. which we'll get yeah. to in a minute. The other thing is, as you mentioned, it, since it's nonlinear and it's coming from different perspectives, sometimes the entry point is completely different. So there's a section in the book, and I forget where it is, where suddenly it's a meeting of a support group of mothers right. who've all lost... Children in the, in the Vietnam right. War. Yeah. Sons, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's worse some more of the class distinction comes in, right? Uh,
0: absolutely, yeah. Because you have this group, of, I think there's about, there's five of them, mm-hmm. the women, and one of them lives, like, on, on Park Avenue. Mm-hmm. The other is, lives in the Bronx. Staten Island. Staten Island. And so the Bronx. She, as, right. And she um, comes from the polar opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, class from the the Park Avenue woman. And then the women in the middle, they're all kind of in the middle class, you know? And uh, there's a great scene where the five of them, the four of them are congregating on Park Avenue before they go up to Claire.
2: Claire is the wealthy wealthy person who lives on Park Avenue.
0: Correct. Now they have all lost sons Mm -hmm. in the Vietnam War and that's why they're gathering. But they get to Claire's house and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't, un- I didn't know that she lived here." And they're mm-hmm. all kind of gossiping and chattering and all excited, except for Gloria, who is from the other side of of the situation. Okay. And who actually
2: lives in one of the same projects that Corrigan lives in in the ex- South Bronx.
0: Exactly. Right. Yeah so and she fa- factors in a lot later mm-hmm. with a with a bigger role another mm-hmm. role in the story but she's the one that's the most unfazed yeah. about them being on on Park Avenue and yeah. even though she makes a comment to say that her ancestors didn't overcome slavery so she could clean apartments. Yeah, we didn't know? do freedom
2: marches so we could right. clean apartments on Park Avenue, yeah, right? So um, She's African-American. Yeah. Um, and what I loved about the Gloria character we were chatting mm-hmm. earlier is, and I call him, I forget the way he actually writes this sentence, but he says, you know, a lot of people mistake me for it or in, see me and think I'm a church-going lady because I give off that aura right. and I dress that way. Yeah. But really, she's not. Mm-hmm. She's... She has her own backstory coming yep. from the South and, you know, she loves classical music mm-hmm. and kicking her shoes off, right. you know, and going to the, uh, to opera and all that kind of stuff. And, and you learn all about this after they've, they've met right. in Claire's apartment to talk yeah. about their sons, you know? And, and again, just to kind of bring up that central point of the story, the conceit is, You know, that morning there was a guy, some idiot doing a tightrope walk between the two twin towers. Did you guys hear about that?
0: Right, exactly. And they don't quite know what the, what the deal is, but I think one of them saw the, saw something or, so they're still kind of confused. And this is before we had immediate access to every single thing that happens in the world. So they still are trying to figure it all out.
2: Yes. The the woman coming from Staten Island Mm -hmm. was coming up to lower Manhattan where the towers were and, you know, got caught up in the crowd and and the the, excitement and the what the heck is going on, you know, is, is he going to make it, you know, or is he going to fall, you know, and, 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 and. McCann really paints that whole scene he, really well. That
0: actually, that the chapter where he focuses on the actual walk, which really is not germane to the, any right. of the central characters in the book, right. but there is one chapter where he just focuses on Philippe um, Pettit and his actually actually accomplishing this walk, like mm-hmm. sets it up. Everything he did to get ready for it. And then he's doing it. And what he's feeling is he's, he actually made eight passes back and forth across the rope. He was on the rope between the two towers for 45 minutes.
2: And we should mention he did this with a team all on the sly. Right. No permits, no approvals, nothing. This guy just showed up one mm -hmm. morning did this and freaked people out, including the entire new New York police department. Right.
0: And it's one of, it is, that was one of my favorite chapters in Mm -hmm. the book, even though it wasn't germane to the whole story, because it was so funnily, he, he described it, it was so funny. And there's a scene about there are these people trying to hack into the phone system, and then there are people calling pay phones to get, like reporters mm-hmm. calling pay phones to get information from people who are at the scene, and it was, it's hilarious.
2: Yeah. He really injects humor into yep. that. Like you're answering a payphone in New York. First of all, why are you doing that? Right. And secondly, the guy on the other end of the phone knows there's a guy walking a tight wire up above you. Right. What can you see? But and then
0: they don't believe who they're talking right. to and they yeah. get somebody else. Is and, this
2: candid camera? Yeah. Are you Alan Funt? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> that was a really good, good chapter. But getting back to the, the, <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the actual story. In the Bronx. Yeah. Yes. So, um, to... So I've shared what was my favorite chapter, what my most disturbing chapter in the book. So there's a car accident that
2: occurs. On that day.
0: On that day. Yeah. And there are two... There's a couple in a 1927...
2: Gold Pontiac.
0: Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was an Oldsmobile or Pontiac. And they are involved... They actually hit... A new uh, they hit a van,
2: the van that
0: is carrying Corrigan and Jaslyn, who's one of the prostitutes that he takes care of.
2: Yeah, Corrigan, we might just to back that up. Corrigan has gone to pick up Jaslyn from a court hearing. Hearing. Jaslyn is the daughter of Tilly, Tilly, who we talked about earlier, who
0: has two children of her own.
2: Jaslyn does, yes. Um, and till because of that. Tilly and Jaslyn are both up on charges mm-hmm. with a rap sheet a mile along. Tilly has agreed to take the rap to let Jaslyn, Jaslyn go, go so she can take care of her babies. Right. And Corrigan has picked, picked Jaslyn up from court and is driving back up towards the Bronx, Bronx. while all of the right. Philip Petit stuff is happening. And, then and this so
0: this Pontiac hits their van, keeps going, while the meanwhile the van spins out of control, hits a newspaper truck, it's just complete havoc and
2: disarray. Jaslyn is killed and
0: immediately. Yeah, and and then Corrigan later succumbs also, but these two, Lara and Blaine, mm-hmm. keep going. Mm-hmm. And to me, it you know it was so disturbing because this incident becomes their demise. Yep, and she wants to take responsibility for this she wants to go to the authorities she wants to find out what happened mm-hmm. and he is like no they'll never they'll never know they'll mm. never know it was us it's not our fault he keeps saying it wasn't our fault it wasn't our fault when it clearly was and
2: it wasn't even, like, I think if they had, you know, the New Yorker is like, had they stayed, mm-hmm. you know, the police would have understood it right. was an accident, yeah. you know? Exactly. But they're two artists, right? They're right. two young artists, and they live in a remote cabin north well, of the and city. And
0: they're S-addic, ex-addicts. Ex-addicts, and, trying to go straight. Right, but they have just come back from this binge where they have, you know, all of their recovery now mm-hmm. is out the window. Um, but... uh, The way I took it is, like, he seemed to think that his social status, because they were once wealthy, Mm -hmm. and they're driving this fancy car, and they live, you know, out on the lake, you know, that he didn't have to take any responsibility for this. And she does, she's in one of those loosely tied in characters mm-hmm. and we see her again in the mm-hmm. story. Um,
2: she's a conscious conscious.
0: But yeah. Sh- and so she does have some kind of ethics
2: and guilt. Yeah. Right. And that's and something that was disturbing. You know, those, those kind of, personal characteristics or motivating factors of each of the characters I thought was kind of interesting mm-hmm. to me because Corrigan who dies as a result of this accident was really, you know, he's very empathetic and wanted to help people. Lara, mm-hmm. the woman you just yeah. described, I think was on a different path. And then this has jarred her into right. some sort of self responsibility Yeah,
0: and self awareness, self awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, so there are another set of characters, another yeah. perspective. And then, while all this is happening at the trial, who should be the judge of mm-hmm. the trial but this judge
0: Solomon, Solomon
2: who is the husband of, of Claire, Claire, the wealthy Park Avenue right. woman. Solomon and Claire have lost their son Joshua in the war. Right, um, and Solomon happens to get Philip Petit right as his on his dock that right. day when the police finally get the tightrope walker. They haul him into court. World Trade Center at that time was still kind of a boondoggle. It was not making money. It had just was just being finished mm-hmm. being built after many 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 years. It was a big empty building, two big empty buildings. And so they actually decided purposely and I think this is true to use this un you know unexpected stunt to help drive business. Right. And so the judge you know, basically decides to charge him. Uh, what was it? Ten cents a floor. Uh, yeah, a penny a, a floor. Penny
0: a floor. So his, floors was his. His fine was dollar uh, ten. Right, and you, he had to do. He had to go and walk on a tightrope or do something in a safe manner for children.
2: Right, exactly. That was
0: his fine.
2: A newspaper friendly story. And there, Solomon
0: right? was so proud of him. He I thought that was funny. He was so pleased with himself for right. coming up with this punishment, right. quote unquote, exactly. that was going to benefit the city and yeah. didn't really punish this, this guy who, who didn't, you wasn't really hurting anybody.
2: No, but he could have, He could, right? have. He could have fell, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, could have. which I think every New Yorker who read this book in 2009, yeah. you know, you kind of have that perspective, that post 9-11 perspective.
0: So I really, I really enjoyed this book. It wasn't, it was not an easy read for me mm-hmm. in any, by any mm-hmm. long shot, but I did feel like at the end I was kind of crushed. Yeah. I, I, I felt like his, his publisher had said, okay, you've got to turn it in now. So wrap it up. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah. I, that was just the kind of feeling that I got from the way he ended the story.
2: Which In, is through another, yet another character's eyes. Right. Which is one of the young twins, this, mm-hmm. the daughters of Jazlyn. Right. Um, and it's, it's fast forwarded. Fast forwarded 30 yeah, years. So right. she's a grown up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a connection there with another character. We won't right. give it all away. Yeah. Um, but it, what we were chatting about this earlier, mm-hmm. you know, a few reviews of this book described how it was imperfect. Mm-hmm. It was really compelling and, and, and a, uh, you know, an amazing read. But I think one re- reviewer even called it reckless in a way. Um, I can't remember which reviewer that was. Right. But, um, you know, we were chatting about that last Chapter. Yeah. Did it it even need to be there? I, I was fine with it, but I also think it could have ended without that chapter.
0: I, I the chapter before. I agree. I think I might have liked it even better if it hadn't Mm -hmm. had it. It just. I I don't necessarily need things tied up in a bow Mm -hmm. for me at the end of a novel. I like to have something to think about Mm -hmm. and. This was, it was fine, but it just felt, it felt really rushed and, and it just seemed unnecessary.
2: So, um, the perspective, one of the perspectives I brought to that chapter as we were discussing it is that was the only part of the book that isn't centered around 1974. It is post 9-11. Yeah. And so again, for New Yorkers, I think, um, you know, by then the towers were gone, you know, it was, um, a fairly traumatic decade, frankly, um, I think, you know, that would have resonated a little bit, Mm -hmm. especially because the author very specifically chose a photo of Philip Petit, right, um, taken from, you know, beneath where Mm -hmm. he was on that tightrope. You see the towers, you see him, you see him on the tightrope and there's a plane going over over him just at the right second. And so it kind of evokes that what is going to happen, um, right you know, 25 years later, a little over a quarter century later. So there's a lot of evocative thoughts yeah, there. But I will say, I thought it, you know, I didn't live in New York in the early seventies, but everything I know about it, it seemed to have captured that very, very well.
0: Yeah.
2: Um And New York in 2006, which was when that last chapter was right. based, was a very different city.
0: Absolutely. And safer and yeah. probably more fun to visit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know, um, I've read a lot of Irish authors and not all of them are just everything is happy go lucky. Okay. So yeah, um, <laughs> this kind of fits, fits that, that bill, yeah. but it's a, I think it's a great literary novel. I'd highly recommend it to people. It It is a character driven novel. It's not a long plot. Everything happens right. around a day. Um, and you know, you might have different characters who speak to you kind of like mm-hmm. Tommy Orange is there, there, right. it was from different perspectives and yeah. any number of books that are written from different perspectives.
0: Yeah, no, I, book. I agree. I, I, I really, I'm really glad I read this book and Um, It would be a book that I would recommend to other people, despite
2: Mm -hmm. because
0: maybe I'd like to hear what other people think about the ending. And Colin McCann is a professor at Hunter University. So, Mm -hmm. sir, if you're listening, (laughs) if you hear this, (laughs) please let us know like what you were thinking when right. wrote this, we, we'd be so excited.
2: But listeners, you can let us know what yeah. you think. Um, just go to our Instagram account, O2 Starved, and just make a comment on this yep. episode's post. And let us know if you read the book, whether you liked it or not.
0: And hope you have a happy St. Patrick's Day.
2: And happy spring. Happy spring. Have a green beer.
1: You're dialed in to Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, Books and conversations from 11,000 feet, originating from the slopes of Mammoth Mountain in Mono County, California. You can find us at SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at oxygenstarvedpodcast.com. Just make sure you find us.
0: Welcome back, listeners. We have arrived at the C part, our conversation part of our podcast, and we're so honored today to have Miss Sophia Flores with us. Welcome, Sophia. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Sophia is the case manager for Mono County Behavioral Health, and I have to say that she is a former student of mine, one of my best and brightest to come out of Mammoth Elementary School, and I'm so <laughs> proud of her. It's yeah. such an honor for you to be
2: here today. <laughs> Those were
0: some good years.
2: <laughs> it's gotten better since then, it's, hasn't yeah. it?
0: <laughs> be, being five is good. It's, it's a good time it in, was.
3: in life. <laughs> there is no fear.
0: No fear. I I still
3: Did you hear that no, no fear, fear of her I, teacher? I, yeah. I love that. Um but I, she was a principal, not oh. as a teacher. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So She was a boss. But,
0: <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I still remember Sophia with little curly ponytails and she was always so perfectly dressed and so cute and come say hi to me and if I was in the lunchroom she Always said hi and had a hug and a smile on her face. And you're still cute and have a smile on, <laughs> on your face. <laughs> Just
2: grown up and professional.
0: Yes. So, Sophia, tell us about how you came to be in Mono County.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, my family migrated to the U.S. when I was four years old. Um, so my dad had already been working here in Mammoth. Um, I had uncles who were working here and said, hey, this is a great place mm-hmm. to come and work. Um, it was very convenient because uh, my family didn't; it, they weren't fluent in English, uh-huh. and so coming mm-hmm. in with the service industry, cleaning condos and apartments, mm-hmm. was a pretty great job for them. Yeah, yeah. And so he came to Mammoth to kind of get a feel for it. He liked the small town mm-hmm. feel, and then brought the whole family over. That's uh, great. All ten of us wow. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the are are you you are the youngest are you- second to youngest second to youngest so okay. youngest. I'm number 7 out of 8 siblings Oh my wow. goodness that's, yeah. That
2: is crazy. Does that mean you're almost the most spoiled? Didn't they say the youngest is always the most spoiled?
3: Oh, gosh. No, it was not spoiled at all. <laughs> there was too many of us. It was mostly like I did not get the attention. Cause oh, was, yeah. right. <laughs> at that point, it's like parents are just too tired to even deal with kids. <laughs> well, your parents did a wonderful job of mm-hmm. raising all of you because you're all successful. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So, yeah, they're definitely hard workers and put out a great example for all of us. So you went through the whole mammoth school system and what, what, what's your perspective on that now?
0: Oh, gosh.
3: Taking that journey. Yeah. Um well, even now, just walking into the schools, they're all so different mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot more color, which I wish was there when I was mm-hmm. a student, right. so yeah, I really appreciate that the environment changed for the students now, yeah, um even just like the colors in the walls, I mean, it makes a huge difference yeah. with mm-hmm. the learning environment um, and I think it it was great to come from a small school. I felt that I was able to. Uh, create relationships Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have otherwise Mm -hmm. even just talking to my friends who were out of the area and Mm -hmm. say graduated with like a class of like 500 or 600 students right um, when they have like school reunions or go in they don't even know who you know their classmates were right Right. and um, I just feel like we were able to kind of go into a community and still Mm -hmm. have that connection I mean even with you, Stacy, like, <laughs> to say like, "Hey, I knew you because you were my principal," right? Where some of my friends don't even know the names of their principals, yeah. right? So I felt
0: that's very great. lucky to have a connection to all of you guys, and I still do to so many of you,
3: even all these years later. It's that's the the greatest. Blessing. Has,
2: has has Mammoth changed since you were a kid?
3: Oh yes, I mean we didn't have a village when I was a kid, right? <laughs> that's right. So. That's right. uh, the ice skating ring the library I mean mm-hmm. there's there's been a lot of change um, not just with structures and mm-hmm. just having more resources um, but just the environment of it too we we definitely have a uh, I guess more seasonal workers mm-hmm. or maybe I just never noticed it when I was a kid mm-hmm. <laughs> right. but that now as an adult too. yeah and <laughs> how that I see you know the needs for employment and housing that's I guess what I'm more of my focus is now.
2: Sure. Sure. That's what you, the lens you look at.
3: Yeah. Things through. No. yeah. Rather than when I was a kid, it was more about how much snow do we have and can we sled? <laughs> 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 those those are the things that, that kids should be dealing with,
0: yeah. right?
2: I still wonder that sometimes though. Yeah, you do. <laughs>
0: Extreme sledding.
2: Exactly. <laughs> no, I just
0: I just wonder, is it going to be a red day today? <laughs> for listeners who live out of the area, red day is no school. So if something yeah. we always hope for this time of year,
3: even the principal. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even that has changed because before we used to have a phone tree in the classroom. Yes. So we would have right. whoever was out of the area who would have to get first calls, right. like saying Crowley or June mm, Lake would yeah. get a first call and then they would call for the student under and then under. That's right. And so that's how we did it rather than now it's like an automated system, which oh, I actually funny. liked the phone tree because it was cool. Like, oh, you have to call this person now. And you had a responsibility <laughs> for yeah. the classroom. If you didn't call the person like after you, then... They, they showed go to up. school. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad that you said
0: that because I completely forgot about it. we had mm-hmm. the same thing with all the teachers. We had a phone yeah. tree as well. Mm-hmm. And that's so funny. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Maybe purposefully. I don't maybe I <laughs> blocked it. <laughs> I don't know. So
3: now mm-hmm. as working, how did you get from Mammoth High School to Behavioral Health? Oh, it was um, kind of like meant to be, and I did not expect it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So just like any other mammoth high schooler, I just needed to get out of town. (laughs) (laughs) I was done with the small town and just needed to get life experience. So I actually chose to go to San Diego State um, because of the diversity. Mm -hmm. So when I was looking at schools, I wasn't just looking at programs, I was also looking at what it was I going to be able to experience right. living in that area? Yeah. Um, and so I chose San Diego because, you know, they have just a diverse population with Latinos, mm-hmm. um, the Asian yeah. culture, um, refugees, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, so I went to school in San Diego. I ended up going in as a biology major okay. after my first year, I switched to child and family development. Okay. <laughs> Why? Because I just... I realized that it was more of my major. Um, Yeah. I guess I chose biology because I was good at science. Sure, sure. And I liked learning about the human body. Mm -hmm. And then I got introduced to child and family development, which does that too. You learn Mm -hmm. biology and the body, but then you also learn about society and how it plays an influence in our lives. And so I got into that and then I just was really confused about what career I wanted because... I mean, when you think about human development, it plays a role in a lot of different sure. fields. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. So um, I told myself that I needed to take two years off after mm-hmm. getting my bachelor's just mm-hmm. to get experience. Um, so I did preschool teaching for three years when I was in San Diego. So I got kind of exposed to that mm-hmm. environment and then decided when I was when I graduated to come to Mammoth, take two years off. And then it so happened that behavioral health was hiring Mm. and I thought, you know, mental health, that is something I've always, you know, been passionate about. And that is kind of why I wanted to do, you Mm -hmm. know, human development, child development. And so I applied and I got the job and then four years later, here I am still there. Yeah. And you're doing some amazing things in your
0: role. You work with kids mostly.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I've been, um, that's another aspect of my job that I completely love is that when I was doing child and family development, I couldn't decide which age group I liked <laughs> working with the mm-hmm. most. I mean, I was a preschool teacher, and then I also did tutoring um, and worked with an after school program for uh, teens who were involved with gangs, like mm-hmm. gang affiliation, wow. and with refugees. And mm-hmm. so I got exposed to that in San Diego, and then also working with families in general with adults and so I love that here in Mono County in behavioral health I'm able to work with kids and with adults and a whole family system so it's kind of everything I needed. (laughs) That's awesome,
2: so can you explain like some of the more specific things that your office does and that you're because you put on the Foro Latino and you do after school program mm-hmm. drop in programming, I understand mm-hmm. right so yes. can you talk a little bit about that? because I think it's fascinating.
3: yeah, so in behavioral health, we have services for uh, substance use disorders and mental health, mm-hmm. and so we do individual um, and also family kind of counseling and therapies. And apart from those kind of formal services, we also do wellness activities around the county. So, we do socials. Um, there's the Benton oh, yeah, Social, right. Bridgeport Social, Walker mm-hmm. Social. And so, those occur once a month. And we do dinner and just kind of fun activities. And then um, we also do the photo Latinos. So, that's how we outreach to the Latino community here mm-hmm. in, um, in Mammoth. And sometimes we have uh, individuals from outside of town who come in to join mm-hmm. us. So... Um, And it's just for us to be able to kind of bring culture back into healing. Um, One of the phrases that I love is called, it's la cultura cura, which is culture heals. And so kind of how to get that into, you know, Western ideology Mm -hmm. of like what therapy is. And so that is one way we do outreaching there. Um, We do the after school program, Clubhouse Live. So that's for middle Mm -hmm. school and high school students and kids just come in and, either play games, uh, we can offer tutoring, Mm -hmm. they do arts and crafts, just whatever they want to do. It's just a space for them to be who they are. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's such a great resource for them because
0: there's not a lot of other places for that age group to go
3: after school unless you have money. And I think that's Uh, where it comes up is, um, I mean, you, After school, you don't really have time to go up to the mountain. Right. Um, Right. Or, you know, you can't always go to the movie theaters and things Mm -hmm. like that. And so, yeah, it's just a place where they can be warm and hang out with their friends. I mean, it's honestly the same things they would be doing at home, like playing video games. But they just like it because it's more of a, like, it's a place to socialize. Yeah.
2: What I love about, you know, I've learned more about behavioral health in the last few months, working more closely with you guys, is... You know, even in a rural area, my last job was in a very urban area. And so a lot of these services that are supports for people of any age are just everywhere Mm -hmm. compared to here. Right? And in the Eastern Sierra, there's not as many of those services. So the stuff that you guys do is creative and varied is really impressive because you really do cover the whole county.
0: Yeah.
3: Yes, we do. Um, And so even, say, in Walker area, like in the Colville mm-hmm. schools, mm-hmm. we also have a staff up there who does after school programming. And so um, we really do try to do our outreach in everyone in the county, just because we're very isolated. And I mean, growing up here, I I know what it's like to yeah. not have resources. Um, and not only coming from a small town, but also um, I come from a Latino family mm-hmm. who I had parents who were not fluent in English, didn't know how to look for resources. And mm-hmm. so. I know what it's like and I think that's another reason why I enjoy doing the work that I do because I get to inform families like, hey, this thing is going on, this activity is going on or this is what we can offer, you know, and so it's, I I just really enjoy it.
2: It I can tell, you know, one other comment Mm -hmm. is... I went to this community event that behavioral health held, um, a while back on suicide in the community. And you guys were all there in your t-shirts, very visible, very welcoming, like, and it was such a positive evening. And I I know I'm not the only one who walked away from that, but I was just really struck by, this is a team. This is a group of people Mm who really are so committed to their work and love their jobs. You may see something different, but that's the impression <laughs> I came away with. So I was really impressed.
3: But that's a good impression though.
2: <laughs> I think so. Yeah.
3: yeah. And I mean, I think that's a, a big part of coming from like mental health or like substance mm-hmm. use disorders is that, um, even like I, me growing up, I didn't really know much about services. And mm-hmm. so I could look at it as, okay, you're an agency and that's what you are for me. Right. I don't really think about mm-hmm. there's people behind that door. Work. And so that's something that we really want to um, kind of let people know is we are people ourselves yeah. and we understand some struggles in life as well. And this is why we do the work that we do is because we just like that human interaction and to be able to help others you know find their own path to recovery or healing
2: yeah
3: if
0: there is somebody in the in the immediate area and they are struggling what would be your first piece of advice to them like where where would be the first place they should go for help
3: i think it depends on how they're struggling Mm -hmm. so say if someone is having um strong suicidal ideation um or you're worried about someone because of their behavior or changes, and it's they're in danger or someone Mm -hmm. else is in danger, I would always advise call 911 or Mm -hmm. go to the emergency room. If it's not something that is an emergency Mm -hmm. and they want to be able to reach out and get help, they can come to the office, Mm -hmm. um, Mono County Behavioral Health, and we also have a phone number. That's 760-924-1740. And we can always give them more information Information on the available resources we have, what kind of services, um, what kind of groups we have over at our wellness center, right. um, just so that they can get engaged with someone. That's awesome. Thank you.
2: So, you have a life outside of work, <laughs> probably, right? <laughs> I do. Although I seem to see you everywhere, you know, with your behavioral health hat on. Um, what do you enjoy about the Eastern Sierra? What do you do when you're not working?
3: Oh. Um, Uh, One of the main reasons I came back to Mammoth is because I missed the mountains (laughs) and snow. (laughs) One of the things I wanted to get away from was the snow, but I missed having seasons. Like when I was in San Diego, I was always on my t-shirt and jeans. and I was like... (laughs) <laughs> okay, it's January, like, is it going to fall anywhere <laughs> below 60? Like, this is, like, summer weather. Right, right. <laughs> um, but I really like being outdoors. I do trail running, so mm-hmm, okay. I do races. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, ultra runner. Oh, <laughs> oh good God. for you. I got the bug. Um, so, so like, 50 milers? That's the highest I've gotten to okay. is 50 miles. Wow, um, That's amazing. We'll see if I can do more than that, but right now with life being busy... Yeah. Um, I'm also a full-time student. I'm yeah. working on my master's right now Good for you, a couple and family therapy. So I work full-time. I'm a full-time student. I run, I spend time with my family. I have family mm-hmm. here in town, yeah. nieces and nephews. Yeah. And So, um, and I have friends and yeah. so it's mostly outdoor stuff. All, I the,
2: all the ultra trail runners that I know seem to have been like caught a, a bug or something like it, it's almost like a cult.
3: <laughs> yeah. It, it's I, it actually, I will say that it replace another addiction. Mm-hmm. So if I have a healthier addiction, that is fine with me.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um,
3: it's a positive way for me to kind of deal with my emotions mm-hmm. and kind yeah. of um, do my own, you know, mindfulness and self-care. So I enjoy it. Yeah. I started off doing like one mile, three miles, and now it's like, yeah. Let's sign out for another marathon. Sure. <laughs> let's sign out for another 50 K. Why not? <laughs> it's amazing. That's, it's a beautiful it's, place to do it. Yeah. It, yeah and it's, I it's therapeutic. It isn't really it? is. It's, I love being outside. So nature is like part of my healing, mm-hmm. um, part of my, like my cultural healing. And so it's a way for me to be active and in my like safe place, which is mm-hmm. outdoors. And so, and I always, I'm always amazed at what my body can do. And I think that's <laughs> the great thing about ultra running Seriously. you never know what your body can do until you are out there. <laughs> so
0: bad. Well, when yeah. you decide to run Badwater, I will be your on your support team. Will what, come.
2: What's Badwater.
0: Badwater is the race from starts in Death Valley and ends in Yosemite.
2: Oh yeah. my goodness. No.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. no thank you. I up. don't do well with heat. Like oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you start at night.
3: I don't th- yeah. it might only be like 80, eight, 89 <laughs> degrees. I do the um, race in Lone Pine mm. in May Lone, and yeah. that is like it's hot. That then. is hot for me. Yeah, that is like because usually my races are at the beginning of the year, or the end mm-hmm. of the year, and mm-hmm. that's in May, and I'm just like, wow.
2: uh. <laughs> Where do, Where does that race go? That's near Mount Whitney, right, Mone Pine?
3: Yeah, yeah. It, it, Alabama Hills is where. You oh, know that, yeah, beautiful! As as, it is. Yes. It is beautiful, and then yeah. I do um, the 50k, and so we go up the portal up mm-hmm. to oh Mount my Whitney. Gosh. Yeah, it's tough. It's really. T- it's one of the toughest races I've done. Oh my gosh! Well, and a beautiful. huge elevation gain mm-hmm. in that
0: one. Well, we'll still we'll come yeah. out and support you. Seriously, <laughs> so Sophia, what it, tell us? We ask our reader, our listen, our guests all the time. <laughs> we always end with what are what their favorite book is. So,
3: what is your favorite book? For me, it would be a series. Okay, so um, it's the Harry Potter series. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. And
3: choice. there's an actual there's more of the story to that because. Um, When I started out in middle school, sixth grade, I was um, an ELD student, so an Mm -hmm, English mm -hmm, learning development. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't tested out yet. And Mm -hmm. so my reading level was around, say, like a third grade reading Mm -hmm. level. It was Mm -hmm. really low. And then I got introduced to Harry Potter and I got so into fantasy, yeah, like the fantasy world and everything about it that by the end of sixth grade, I was actually way above my reading level around like an eighth grade reading level. Wow. And so it was the book series that not only got me into reading, mm-hmm. but it also made me feel confident and that I could actually, you know, be at my other classmates reading level. So it right. it really helped me just from going from, you know... English is my second language. yeah. Mm-hmm. So being able to surpass where I was at because of a book series. Really. Well, that's,
0: it's, I mean, mm-hmm. books can do so many things, but to give somebody confidence, you know, it's just mm-hmm. one of those things we don't talk about very often. And those Harry Potter books, they're written at a very high level. So, you know, it's an ambitious undertaking to start when you're not feeling confident Um
3: and look what it, it did. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you still read fantasy? Yes, I do. Right Good. now, I'm currently reading um, Son of a Witch, which is the sequel to Wicked. Oh, yeah. okay. When I have time, because right now my head's in like law and ethics and yeah. theories. <laughs> and a master's degree. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not, so Not I, the same kind of Right reading. now, I'm, yeah. Usually I'll like juggle books. And right now I'm mm-hmm. only with one book. <laughs> How close are you to finishing your degree? Um, I started last, uh, June, so I'm not very into it. <laughs> I still have like a year and a half to go. So it'll be here before Hang you know there, right? yeah. That's just a few yeah. races. That's, you'll that's you'll right, be there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Sophia, thank you so much yeah. for joining us today. It was, today. It was wonderful talking with you, catching up a little bit yeah. and sharing your story with our listeners. And we will put in our show notes, all the links that you shared to Mono County behavioral health and the phone number and, and your website yeah. link. Thank so. you. Yeah. thanks. We so also much. have a wellness
3: center that has a lot of free activities for the communities.
2: Okay. Is that now, where is that in Mammoth?
3: So the address and that is 181 Sarah Manor road, number four.
2: And it's, is it staying there? Or? It is. That okay. one is
3: staying there. It's our new location. Um, and so we'll have the after school program there for kids. Great. We have, uh, um, some support groups like uh, relapse prevention, life skills. Mm-hmm. We do yoga, and all of all of our activities it's are free. Awesome. free. That's awesome.
2: That's what Great. I love about it. Is there someone you know? The library offers free programs, but not like um, behavioral health wellness yeah. programs are. So I entirely encourage our listeners to check them out. Yeah, and good. listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of Oxygen Starved Adventure Books and Conversation from eleven thousand feet. Uh, follow us. On Instagram, O2 Starved. Uh, You can find us at our oxygenstarvedpodcast.com website or on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. And uh, be sure to write a review, tell your friends, give us five stars. But if you don't want to give us five, give us four and then tell us why. Um, And, you know, if you have any questions or comments about any of the books or conversation we had today, just let us know on Instagram.
0: Thanks very much.
2: Have a great day.
1: Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod in Incompetech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.